Thank you guys very much. Children uh, can be dismissed now to go back. When I walked in uh, to the back of the service after the singing had already started, I was amazed how many people were in here. Uh, and now as the kids all leave, I see why there were so many, so many people. But I'm glad uh, there are a few people left uh, in here for the message. But these guys are going to miss out on hearing my exciting introduction uh, to the message this morning. But uh, you can just pass it along uh, to them a little bit later. Uh, how many people are familiar with the Christian church calendar? I'm not talking about Grace Community Church calendar that's on our website that you can access to find out information about everything that's going on at the church. Um, I'm talking about the church, the Christian church, and there's some variations of, of the church calendar, um, but, but the, there is a calendar that follows uh, celebrations, holidays, feasts uh, throughout the year. Christmas is on the church calendar. Uh, Easter, Good Friday. Uh, there's several things that we are familiar with that we, uh, you know, we take for granted. You know, we know when they are. Uh, but there are a lot of other days that are also on the church calendar. And today is one of those days. Uh, today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, and we are going to be celebrating what God did at Pentecost. And we're going to be reading a lot of scripture uh, about that. But on that day, God came to dwell with people. Uh, and it's remarkable when we think about that. In John 4, Jesus uh, was interacting with uh, the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. And she is talking about worshiping on the mountain. And Jesus is explaining to her that there will be a day coming in which we will no longer worship just in one location, but we will worship in spirit and truth. And Jesus was talking about that day when Pente on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would come and dwell within people. Uh, and that's really remarkable when you, when you understand the weight of what we're talking about. God, the Creator, coming to dwell with us. We're going to do things uh, a little bit different uh, this morning uh, in order for us to, to really maybe grasp that weight. I don't know about you guys, but when Thanksgiving comes around, I love Thanksgiving dinner. And I don't eat it any other time other than on Thanksgiving. I don't know why that is. Everybody loves that meal. I guess it's because of all the preparation and work. But, but you, know, you know, it's a special meal. And it has all the things that you like. Uh, and you eat the same thing year after year after year. The turkey, gravy, stuffing, cranberry sauce. All the stuff that you like, you have it the same every year. Well, every once in a while, some creative person comes up with an idea of just switching something around. Maybe adding cranberry to the, gel, uh, to the stuffing. And so you have cranberry stuffing uh, or something like that. Or, or, uh, or they decide instead of having turkey, we'll have pork this year. Uh, something different that upon first hearing it, you think, why? Why are, why are you doing this? You know, we love it just the way it is. Let's just keep it going. We only eat this once a year. It's not like we're having it every week and we need to switch it up because it's getting uh, monotonous. But that happens occasionally. And if you are like me, you cringe at the thought of things being different than what you expect. Uh, and occasionally, and, and I, I'm reluctant to admit it, admit it, but probably more often than occasionally, I like it. I like the change. I like the, the switch. But the anticipation of it uh, is sometimes too much to bear. You know, I, I get really frustrated uh, about it. Well, I'm going to be messing with your Thanksgiving dinner this morning. Uh, you know, you came here this morning anticipating that the service was going to be a certain way. Uh, and it's going to be a little bit different. Um, than, than probably what you are expecting. And I hope, it, I hope afterwards you'll think, oh, that was a good 
difference. But right now, at this point, you're thinking, I don't, why is he doing this? You know, things are going all right. We're happy with the way uh, things are. But in celebration of Pentecost Sunday, in which we're celebrating the working of the Holy Spirit, I have been led by the Spirit to move things around a little bit, and we are going to uh, be hearing a lot of Scripture. Um, because of the weight of what we are talking about, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to mess it up by trying to, to you know, add interesting anecdotes or, or break something down that I have no business breaking down. I want the weight of Scripture to speak to us. Uh, so we're going to hear a lot of Scripture. We're going to read several passages from the Old Testament. We're going to read some uh, from the New Testament that Jesus had to share. And then uh, after that, I'm going to read the entire chapter, uh, not the entire book, the entire chapter of Acts 2, uh, the story of Pentecost. Uh, and then we'll conclude after that with a few uh, remarks. And, and, I, and I bring all this up, I preface all of this, not to qualify it or, or to, to make excuses for it, because I'm excited about it. I think that, that this is something good. I just want to prepare you for it. I don't want you to feel caught off guard. I want you to be ready for it. Uh, and like at Thanksgiving, you know, I have to figure out, all right, how can I still be happy and enjoy this and, you know, see what works out? I hope you can do the same thing here where you can say, all right, let's see what God is going to do, you know, through the, the reading and, and hearing of Scripture. Uh, so we're going to do that. Jim Cherney is going to come up and read several uh, Old Testament passages. These are promises of the Spirit. Throughout the Old Testament, God is, is letting us know. He's been giving us pictures about what's going to happen when Jesus comes. Uh, and He also, through prophets, is letting us know that something is going to change. I am no longer going to just dwell uh, in the temple, in the tabernacle, in these specific locations. I am going to dwell within the hearts and lives of my people. Uh, and so he gives us some promises from the Old Testament. The first passage is Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. The second passage is in Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 29. And I will not hide my face any more from them when I pour out my spirit upon the house of Israel, declares the Lord God. The last passage is in the book of Joel, the second chapter. This is verses 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. In the Old Testament time period, God is trying to prepare us for what is to come. A radical change. Uh, when Jesus comes, begins his earthly ministry, uh, and he is the very representation of God himself uh, on earth, interacting and living with us, Jesus, during that ministry, several times, is telling the disciples about what is about to happen, what they have to look forward to. Even at one point in John 16, he, t he even tells them, it's better for me to leave. You think it's good right now having me here, but it's better for me to go because when I go, I will send the Spirit to come and he will dwell with you. Uh, and so these next passages that we're going to read are going to be what Jesus was sharing with his disciples. And Bert's going to read those uh, passages to us. This first one is from the end of Luke's Gospel. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And the next several are from John, chapters 14, 15, and 16. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, 
Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then from chapter 15. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. From chapter 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And then finally from Acts, the first chapter. While staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Thanks, Bert. Um, in preparation for uh, hearing uh, the passage in Acts 2, uh, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descends, is sent by uh, Jesus, I want us to take just a few minutes to pray. One of the things that, or several of the things that we heard in those passages is that the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict of sin. Uh, it is to lead us into truth. Um, and so we want to pray for that right now. We want to ask that right now where we are, where we are sitting, uh, that God, through his spirit, would convict us of sin. Um, that he would lead us into truth so that we see rightly, uh, see accurately what is sin and be convicted of it, asking forgiveness for it in preparation for what he wants to do with us, which we will uh, see in this passage in Acts 2 and then talk about uh, after that. Uh, but I'm going to pray for us. And while I am praying, if you would also just pray uh, and asking God uh, the same things uh, quietly where you are. Let's pray together. Father, we cannot say thank you adequately enough for what you did in sending your spirit to dwell within us to reveal truth, to lead us into truth, to see ourselves accurately, to see ourselves as sinful and in need of a Savior. God, you did that for us through your Spirit. And today we celebrate that day 2,000 years ago when your Spirit descended and was given to us and has been at work now changing lives, transforming people, glorifying Jesus, spreading the gospel. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that we get to participate in your plan. Father, this morning as we hear the passage from Acts 2, as we listen in on the sermon that Peter preached, 
God, we pray again today that you would convict us of sin, that we would see ourselves accurately, that we would repent, that we would be drawn back to you. Father, we ask that your spirit would move and be at work in us right now for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Normally, uh, we would stand and, and read this together, but because of the length of the passage, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stay seated. But if you, you want to turn uh, in your Bibles to Acts 2, it's also going to be on the screen. We're going to read, I'm going to read this passage uh, to you. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty, mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. 
This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucify. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from the cro- this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the account of what took place at Pentecost. And this is what we are celebrating today. When God poured out His Spirit, on flesh, on all flesh, and came to dwell within those who believe Him, those who recognize Jesus as Savior and Lord and repent of sin. God has given His Spirit to dwell within us. And in this passage, we see what happens. You know, the Spirit convicts of sin, and people repent of sin. And then they fellowship together. And at the end of that passage, you hear all the things that they are doing, exchanging things, sharing together uh, in this beautiful picture of unity and love for one another. And God adds 3,000 people that day. And in the days to come, as you continue reading throughout Acts, you see the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, we refer to this book as the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, It really ought to be the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And God is drawing people to Himself through the work of the Holy Spirit that is at work in His people. And that's what's been going on for these last 2,000 years. The Holy Spirit has been dwelling within believers, sanctifying us, changing us, transforming us into the image of Jesus. He has been giving us gifts to be used to serve others for the benefit of other people. Brad has uh, just finished this series on the Trinity. We've been in it for the last several months, and he just wrapped it up uh, last, uh, last week. Um, and in that series, we have learned a lot of things about God uh, and about the Trinity. And Brad uh, preached several messages uh, in February and March concerning the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to get, go into everything that he already covered uh, about the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, what took place in Pentecost, uh, the gift of tongues, all of those things. Uh, he covered all of that. Uh, And so if you are interested in, if you weren't here and want to go back, you can get CDs, you can go to our website and and get all of that. But one of the things that we learned in this study on the Trinity is that the Father 
sets forth a plan. And Jesus acts on that plan. He willingly gives up himself and acts according to the Father's plan. And it is the Spirit who is empowering that. It is the Spirit who has empowered Jesus. You know, that's something that I I don't think we always grasp because we think of Jesus as 100% God, 100% man. And of course, he could, you know, hear the things God was speaking to him and obey God as a man because he was really part God. And, And so we think that his obedience was really related to his being God. You know, we don't think about it as him being 100% man. But Scripture teaches us that it is the Holy Spirit that is at work leading Jesus. You know, right in the very beginning of his ministry, when he is baptized by John, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus. And as Jesus goes places, it is as he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, as he is led into the garden to pray. It is the Spirit that is at work leading Jesus. And this is that same spirit that God has now poured out on all flesh, on all those who believe him. So the same spirit that was at work leading Jesus is that same spirit that leads us and directs us and guides us. I already talked about uh, some of the things that the spirit does. But what is pretty awesome is that this has been part of God's plan from the beginning. You know, when we think about the gospel, we think about Jesus. And the Bible teaches us that it is all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. God God tells us in Philippians 2 that Jesus will be the name that is exalted, that every knee is going to bow down to Jesus. And it is the Holy Spirit that has been at work bringing about the glory of Jesus. In the passage that we read in John 16, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will come to glorify me. And so when we think about the gospel, we think rightly about Jesus. And we think about what Jesus did in dying for us and in paying our penalty for sin. And that's accurate. But we don't always think about the second half of the gospel. That God has given us His Spirit to dwell within us, to transform us into the image of Jesus. And so the fruit that is being produced in us. Woody spoke on that several months ago. The fruit that is being produced in us is the work of the Spirit. It is the Spirit's fruit that is being produced. And that fruit that is being produced looks like Jesus. It makes us look like Jesus. The gifts that we have been given that are described in in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter... These gifts have been given for the benefit of other people because they also make us look like Jesus. And that's what the Spirit is doing. These spiritual gifts and the fruit of the Spirit is transforming believers into the image of Jesus. And that's that's remarkable. That is remarkable that that's what God has done. That is His plan and has been His plan throughout time that He would send His Spirit to convict us of sin, to lead us into truth, to transform us into the image of Jesus, to give us gifts to be used for the benefit of other people, to make us look like Jesus. One of the things that I want to do, maybe for the rest of this time this morning, is to talk a little bit about, well, if it is the Spirit's 
job to produce fruit in me, and if it's the Spirit's job to give me gifts and empower those gifts in me, why don't I look like Jesus? You know, why do I still not look like Jesus looks? Why, why do I still not serve like Jesus served? Why do I still not utilize the gift that has been given to me? Why can't I have patience and kindness to the extent that I ought to, that I want to? What's going on there? Is it the Spirit's fault? I mean, if He's the one producing it in me, and if He's the one giving me gifts and enabling me you know, to, to carry them out, if that's not happening, is it His fault? Is He not capable enough to do those things in me? And surely, you know, we don't think that. I don't think we think that. So what is it? Well, there's, there's two things uh, that I want to address. Uh, the first one is found in Ephesians 4, verse 30. And I'll read that to you. This chapter uh, has been about the gifts uh, that God has, has given to us through His Spirit. Um, and now the new life that we are to have in using those gifts. Uh, and then he, he gets to verse 30 and he says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. This, this passage has been about putting away sin. You know, and we, we are all familiar with the passage in Galatians uh, 4 and 5 that talks about the flesh and the spirit warring against each other. And in Romans, Paul talks about it as well. You know, that there is this battle going on between our flesh and our spirit. Trying to control us. And at the end of chapter 4 here, Paul says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. What we hear in this verse is that it is possible for us to grieve the Holy Spirit. And let me say right from the beginning that this is not an issue of salvation. This is not a, a, an issue of whether you, know, you were once saved and, and then you lost that salvation, you had the Holy Spirit, and now you don't have the Holy Spirit. Scripture is clear that when we are saved, God gives us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of our salvation, and we don't lose the Holy Spirit. But Scripture is also clear about our responsibility in living lives that are pleasing to God, that are holy, as the Spirit empowers us. And it is all about the Spirit doing those things in us. But we can grieve the Holy Spirit by allowing sin to exist and abide in us. I don't know about you. I'm a, I don't like the thought of grieving God. I'm a pleaser. I want everybody to be happy all the time. And I want to find a way to make opposing parties happy at the same time. Uh, you know, I very much want people to be happy. And the thought of my, my actions or my lack of actions, lack of activity, in some way grieving God, saddens me. It saddens me to think that I might not always be pleasing to God. The flesh and the spirit are at war against each other. And as we allow sin to exist in us, unrepentant, unconfessed sin that we pretend doesn't exist, that we allow to, as Paul describes here, uh, have bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, 
If we don't deal with those things, we allow, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And so if the Spirit is to be able to produce the kind of fruit that He is able to produce, we have to deal with sin. And we have to be on guard of our lives. Brad preached an entire series on spiritual formation this past fall uh, in which the life of the Spirit, the image of Jesus, is being made in us. And we have some responsibility in that, in dealing with sin. The other uh, passage that I want to mention is in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 19. These are the final instructions that Paul is giving to the church at Thessalonica. Uh, And verse 19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. And both the grieving and the quenching of the Spirit are verses we would rather not deal with, I think. The quenching of the Spirit, again, let me say, this is not an issue of salvation, of being saved and then losing salvation, having the Spirit and then losing the Spirit. But one of the things that we understand about the Spirit, and in this verse, in verse 20, right after this, 19 says, do not quench the Spirit. Verse 20 says, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Uh, In this passage, what Paul is talking about are the ways that this church is quenching the working of the Spirit by not listening to prophecies that are being spoken. You know, Brad talked about gifts. One of the gifts is prophecy. Uh, the gift of prophecy. Uh, and we don't know what form prophecy is taking, whether it is the preacher preaching the word, whether it is someone else in the congregation. We don't know that. But we know that someone is speaking the words of God. And this church is not listening to it. They're not responding to it. And by not obeying what God is speaking to them, they are quenching the voice of the Spirit in their midst. And again, I, I don't know about you, but that's, weighty to me. You know, if, if my actions or inactions can grieve the Spirit or quench the Spirit, I don't want that. I love God. I love Jesus. I want the Spirit to be at work transforming me and changing me. And so if that means I have to be vigilant, I have to be on guard, I have to be careful of the kind of life that I live and the things I'm involved in and, and the relationships and the, and the subtleties that go on in relationships and, and the resentment or jealousy or envy or anger that could get in on relationships and somehow deteriorate them. If that means I have to be aware of them, then I want to. I want to because I want the Spirit to be at work in me, transforming me and changing me. God sent His Spirit God sent His Spirit to dwell within us that Jesus would be glorified. And Jesus is glorified when the Spirit transforms us into His likeness. We are the body of Christ. You know, Ephesians describes Jesus as the head and we are the body. And so the head is glorified and receives Uh, honor and praise when the body is in line with the head, you know? I mean, we can understand that just from our own personhood. That's not the right word, but you know what I'm saying. You know, that that we, we feel right when everything is working, you know? When things are working properly, you know, we feel good. Things are in order. Well, Jesus is glorified 
when it's when the body is in order. And so, so my challenge this morning has been to hear the word of God, to be reminded of what God has done in sending his spirit, and to challenge us, challenge us to consider what role the spirit has in our lives. In what ways are we harboring sin or not listening to the voice of God that is grieving or quenching the Spirit's work in us as individuals, in our our body, as Grace Community Church? And I want to conclude just by spending some time praying about that and asking God through His Spirit to search our hearts, to, to lead us into truth, to convict us of sin, to bring us to repentance, that we might be transformed into the image of Jesus. You want to come up and play a song for us? Let me uh, close us in prayer, um, and then uh, then we will sing a song, and, and then we have a benevolence offering to take up also. Um, but let me pray for us. Father, I pray that your Spirit would be at work God, we are such a distracted people. I pray that you would remove distractions from us. And in these these few moments here, that you would be able to speak clearly to us and that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. That you would convict us of sin, God. That we would not allow sin to remain in us but out of a love for you and a desire to be like Jesus, we would repent. And so God, I pray that you would do that this morning, that you would be glorified, that your plan would, of bringing redemption and salvation to this world would go forward through us as we submit to you. So, Father, in these next few moments, we pray that you would speak to us.